I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 159 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Another frosty week, cold days and would you believe it, starving bees. It's May for heaven's sake. Swarming is imminent, but when are we ever going to get into our hives? Stay tuned for this week's updates on all things beekeeping here at the Norfolk Honey Company. Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I think I should really just replay the opening part of last week's podcast again. My description of cold, wet weather, frosty mornings, a lack of daytime heat, it's really not been great. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope you're all safe and well and have been at some point able to get into your bees. I seem to have spent the last month predicting, wrongly of course, that we have just one more week of colder weather before we're into the heat of a British spring, but yet here again I've had another week of grumpy bees not really liking me, opening their hives to check on them when the temperatures have been somewhere around 7 or 8 degrees Celsius. At least I've remembered that formula that we talked about a while back and can safely convert that to about 46 degrees Fahrenheit. One of the biggest issues currently for beekeepers, I guess across the UK, is when to open their hives to inspect, with the biggest concerns now being colonies swarming. In most years, by now, we would have been well into regular weekly inspections, checking for pests and diseases, spring cleaning colonies, actively implementing swarm control measures, as well as other procedures such as integrated pest management programs, queen rearing, and increases through splits and such like. For large numbers of hobbyist beekeepers, most of these activities have just not happened. The colder weather has prevented even the most general inspections. I, for one, haven't even started my queen rearing processes yet, and as I look out of the window, it's raining again. I suffered some very poorly mated queens a couple of years ago. You may remember if you followed me for that length of time. We carried out a large number of splits with swarm cells, and at the time there was some debate as to whether it was down to drone infertility or some other factor. Twelve months later, I carried out pretty much the same process with a hugely different outcome. The first attempt of raising queens back in 2019 was a total disaster. We had colonies on oilseed rape and many of them threw up swarm cells. So I decided to hang on to what I could by splitting colonies into nukes with sealed swarm cells. The weather then took a turn for the worse and it became cold and wet. The result was, in my opinion, virgin queens struggling to get out to mate. And as a result, some weeks later, nuke after nuke, throwing up drone-laying queens, where something in the mating process had gone terribly wrong. Much was made around that time of drones becoming infertile for some reason, and it seemed to be potentially a big factor. Needless to say, I was concerned, particularly as I'd lost something like 20 to 30 nucleus colonies to drone-laying queens, and my parents' stock had been depleted so much that we weren't at full strength for honey production, it felt like a bad year for me. Fast forward from 2019 to 2020 and I find myself back on the oil seed rape 
with my colonies and again they were throwing up queen cells and being split. Only this time the weather was much warmer, drier and altogether more conducive to virgin queens getting out and mating successfully. We lost just one colony to a drone laying queen problem. All of the rest were successfully mated. That got me thinking about my queen rearing for this year. And as I don't have to produce hundreds and thousands of queens, I decided that I would hold off until the weather gave some kind of stability and conditions. And by that I mean warm, dry conditions. I just never thought I would be waiting this long. The problem is that with the current weather pattern, I've been unable to do pretty much anything. I have been diving into colonies to check for queen cells, and rather alarmingly, what I have seen are some colonies on the very edge of starvation. I really didn't expect that. To put that into context though, the vast majority of our nukes and full-size colonies are fine, growing well, food stores spread around the brood box, and in some cases, swarm cells being produced, but more of that in a moment. Before that, the starving. Probably five or six colonies have pretty much no food at all in their brood boxes, and as yet don't have any supers on board. It's an interesting situation and shows just how some colonies are able to manage their supplies and forage even at low temperatures, while others really struggle. Looking at the forecast, and I've said this before, but looking at the forecast, I think we're going to be okay. Today, we'll give the colonies a small window of opportunity to get out and forage, and it's going to be dry, sunny, and a little warmer. This means colonies can forage before the weather, again, nosedives on Saturday, back to single figures and rain. But there is a silver lining to this cloud, it seems. According to the forecast I'm seeing, Sunday is not going to just be dry, but sunny and warm as well. A massive change in temperatures from 9 degrees maximum today to a whopping great 20 degrees on Sunday. That's around 68 or 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Not spectacularly hot, but a nice change up from where we've been for the last few weeks. Of course, that will bring with it the predictable swarms. If you haven't inspected your bees in the last week, then expect on Sunday there could be a cloud of bees leaving your hive to disappear over the hedge, never to be seen again. If you can get out before the weather changes and endure a quick inspection looking for queen cells, then I would recommend doing just that, particularly if you haven't inspected for over a week or more. Colonies will have been building up nicely over the last few weeks, hives getting full of bees, more and more brood emerging each day, and now this cold weather, keeping all them their bees at home, means just one thing for sure. Congested brood boxes leading to swarming. I know my weather forecasts have been pretty rubbish, but this time I do think I'm on safe ground by saying the weather is about to change to something a little warmer. And it's the warmth that we crave right now. It affects so many areas of beekeeping. And while it remains chilly, we really can't get going with any certainty. Here in Norwich, the forecast is for one more day of cooler, rainy weather. And then the sun is going to do its thing. And warmer airflow up from the equator is going to create a much more comfortable environment for our bees and us. These warmer days will allow us to inspect colonies earlier in the day, but also take a little more time with inspections too. I plan to start swapping out a few frames of old comb in the brood boxes 
as well as getting stuck into proper spring cleaning routines. Swapping out brood frames is a really important task each year for most beekeepers. And let me explain why for all the novice beekeepers out there. When you first set up a new colony, maybe you've just bought a nuke or been given a swarm, or perhaps you've inherited an old colony that granddad used to own, the bees will be in a constant state of change, building comb, rearing brood, gathering food, always something going on. And as they grow and new bees emerge, the comb gradually becomes dirtier. It darkens and eventually becomes hard and gnarly, almost useless for the bees to use. This can, in some instances, cause so much restriction that the bees can only do one thing, and that's swarm to set up a new home. If you've only just set up your hive, though, you'll see your colony building nice, bright new wax comb, a golden yellow colour, and all will be well in your hive. Fast forward two or three years, and that comb will have darkened, and could also harbour pests and diseases, so it's a good thing to swap it out on a regular basis. The bees will also chew holes in the wax, sometimes because they can't produce enough wax for themselves, sometimes because, well, it's what they do. Some beekeepers believe it's to improve airflow or movement of bees throughout the brood box. I'm not so sure. Sometimes the beekeeper will inadvertently damage the comb, shoving a hive tool through it or pulling away brace comb. I've even made the silly mistake of dropping a frame and smashing a hole through the comb. These things happen, and so frames need replacing. If you can replace around a third of the frames each year, maybe waiting a couple of years if you've only just set up your new hive and everything's looking nice and shiny, but if you replace frames regularly, you can create a constantly improving brood nest area where old, dirty frames come out and nice, clean new ones go in. So how do you carry out this simple task? Well, you can do it as part of any inspection. And here's how I do it. Whenever I inspect my bees, I always remove a frame, sometimes two, in order to allow me a large enough space in the brood box to remove other frames and inspect them without crushing bees. If you don't, then all you do is make them cross. And crushed bees spread disease. So I've removed the first frame and I've taken a look at it. Let's say it's in pretty good condition and I'm going to keep it in the brood box when I'm finished. As I continue through the inspection, I make a mental note of a couple of frames that I want to remove. So how do I get them out? I don't just want to take them out and replace them. It could be that they're full of brood and I don't want to lose valuable bees in the spring. It may be that they have lots of food stores, honey and pollen in the cells, and I don't want to cause my bees to starve but I do want to move these frames to the side of the box for removal in the future. Let's say that I've completed my inspection, there's nothing serious going on, and I'm ready to put the hive back together again and finish up. The frame I removed at the start would normally go back in its original spot, nearest me. So I use my hive tool to push all the frames away from me, fitting them tightly together so that the correct spacing is maintained between them, and then reinsert the final frame. But this time I follow a slightly different process. I take out the second frame nearest to me and using my hive tool I ease all of the frames towards me slightly leaving a gap at the opposite end of the brood box where I can put the very first frame that I removed. Remember it's a good frame nicely drawn and full of stores. I'm going to keep that one. 
I then go back to my normal closing down process of using my hive tool to push all the frames away from me and having shaken all the bees off this second frame that I removed, I can reinsert this frame in the slot nearest me. The effect of this is that I've moved all of the frames round by one and the frames I want to remove have edged closer towards the side of the box that I inspect from by one frame. If I now do this each week I inspect, I can rotate the frames easily so that eventually those frames I want to remove are the first and second frame that I take out of the box when I inspect. Once I complete that inspection, instead of replacing the dirty damaged frames, I can replace them with frames of foundation and take the old ones away for cleaning and reusing. It's as simple as that. You can speed up the process by removing two frames at a time to rotate them out more quickly. Something we do find around this time of the year is that brood boxes have become congested with frames of food from the winter. You may recall the old belt and braces feeding technique, more normally called overfeeding. The bees get a decent amount of food stores in the brood boxes for the winter, but then the beekeeper, me particularly, adds fondant because they're worried they haven't fed enough. The result in the spring is that the outside frames are stuffed full of overwintered food because the bees have been feasting on fondant. This results in a brood box that, under normal circumstances, would have 11 frames that can be used for brood rearing, reduced to maybe 6 or even 5 frames because all the rest are still stuffed full of food. The result? Congestion, and you've guessed it, leading to swarming. And yes, I have found a few colonies just like this. In this case, I would remove several frames in one hit, but leave them enough food to see them through a week or two of cold weather, because you never know how long our winter and cold wet spring is going to last. Colonies in worse conditions, or where you've inherited an old hive that's been neglected, may need more drastic action, such as a Bailey comb change or even a shook swarm. But to start with, get into the habit of rotating old frames out on a regular basis, and the bees will thank you for it, hopefully with a bumper crop of honey, if summer ever arrives. Remember, a podcast subscription will get you the very latest tips and techniques from me each week as they're released, and as things stand, it's going to cost less than a couple of Starbucks coffees. And remember, that's drive through prices. Head over to my Patreon page and sign up to my Podcast Plus tier for the very latest beekeeping chat and an occasional maths and English lesson too. That's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet.